Hi there. Welcome back to Functionally Autoimmune. On today's episode, I want to talk to you a little bit about asthma and the autoimmune connection. And many of us are very well aware of asthma and what it is. A lot of us either suffer from asthma or know and love someone who suffers from asthma. But now we're finding that asthma is slowly getting pushed into the autoimmune category with so many other conditions and diseases out there. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about that. For those of you who haven't been listening and following for a while or who missed it, (laughs) um, my day job, I am a respiratory care practitioner. So I have uh, over 10 years of teaching patients and children and uh, my clients even in my health coaching business about asthma and COPD. It's just, it's a specialty that I am very passionate about, and so I've spent, uh, you know, a decade or so um, teaching and helping people who are suffering with those. So this is something that is near and dear to me, not only because you guys know that autoimmunity is something that's near and dear to me, but also our respiratory system and our respiratory health is something that I have been studying and, and caring for people who are suffering with for a very long time. So this topic specifically I find very interesting and I am very happy to be sharing it with you today. So uh, let's get into it. So asthma affects over 300 million people in the world. That's crazy. 300 million of all ages. So asthma is one of those conditions that it doesn't really pick an age. It doesn't wait and pick on, you know, older people or pick on children. It can it can affect anyone of any age. And so there are a couple of different kinds of asthma and that really determines whether you have a chronic asthma or if you have what's called an allergic asthma. And so I'll go into that a little bit too. Um, Both the allergic and the inflammatory types of asthma typically start in childhood. And it is thought that it's because an allergic response has happened to a toxin. Um, so with childhood asthma, a lot of times we see kids who are allergic to um, pet dander or a certain kind of food, or there's maybe there's mold in the home and the family didn't know. There's typically some kind of a toxin or an allergic response that's happening in, in young children to cause them to have asthma symptoms. So typically they'll start having a little bit of wheezing, they'll be coughing a lot, their parents will take them to the doctor and they're diagnosed with asthma. The problem with childhood asthma is, if it's an allergic asthma in your childhood, typically if you can find out what that allergen is, you actually can stop the, and I'm putting in air quotes, the asthma. Because at this point, it's actually not asthma in the sense of chronic illness asthma. It's actually just an allergic response that looks very, very much like asthma, and so it's treated in that way. A lot of times, and even in in my own life, what happened was I was diagnosed with asthma at two years old, and I was taken to the doctor, just like I explained. My parents said I couldn't stop coughing, I was wheezing, I was having trouble breathing, all these things. And so it was just really easy for the doctor to say, oh, well, she has asthma, here's an inhaler, and these are the things for you to do. And so my parents thought, well, she has asthma. Okay, this is what we're supposed to do, and if we see anything strange, we'll take her back. 
what they didn't know and what came up much later, well, I guess I shouldn't say much later, by the time I was four, was that I actually had a food allergy that no one had found. No one was aware of it because when I ate that specific food, I wasn't having like a normal food allergy reaction. So I wasn't getting hives. I wasn't having anaphylactic shock. There was no major red flag with that food that was causing anyone to suspect it as an issue, right? And so it took actually me getting very chronic ear infections to the point where like literally I had an ear infection <laughs> uh, every day of my life from the age of two to four. Like it just, I would be on antibiotics, I would be given eardrops, they would think it was gone and lo and behold the next day or so I had another ear infection. And so I ended up having tubes in my ears twice in an effort to stop these ear infections. And even with the tubes in my ears, I was still having these chronic ear infections. Well, at four years old, I saw a new pediatrician who decided to allergy test me. So tested me for food, grass, pet dander, pretty much anything that you can be tested for as an allergen, they tested me against. And wheat came back as an allergen for me. And so the doctor said, well, she's highly allergic to wheat, so we want you to stop feeding it to her and let's see what happens. After I stopped eating wheat, and mind you, during that time, there were no gluten-free foods. There was, there was nothing easy. There were no really health food stores out there to go and get things. So it was a very interesting time. But um, the interesting thing was, and what they were not expecting to happen, was that my ear infection stopped and my asthma disappeared. I didn't need any of that medication anymore, and I didn't have an ear infection again after that. So it literally was that I was having this strange inflammatory allergic reaction to wheat that I was eating almost on a daily basis, because if you think about it, what do kids eat? Kids eat hot dogs. They eat chicken nuggets, which are breaded. They eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which have bread on them. I mean, think about all the normal foods that children love to eat, right? Cookies crackers, any of those kinds of things, and they all have wheat in them. So I was literally just filling my body with wheat every day, morning to night. <laughs> so, so I had this allergic reaction that presented itself like asthma. I actually didn't have asthma, even though I then had a diagnosis that stuck with me until I knew better and could actually get it taken off of my medical record. I had a diagnosis of asthma, but I didn't have asthma. I actually had asthma-like symptoms. So a lot of time with childhood asthma, if it's something that a child has at a young age, and by the time they're seven to 10 years old, they no longer are needing to use their inhaler. They're no longer having any of those issues. And you notice, wow, you know what? Uh, Billy Sue hasn't had to use an inhaler and hasn't had been wheezy and hasn't had any of these issues. They actually, grew out of whatever that allergen was. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes when you're when you're smaller, the mold or pet dander or whatever it is that you're having an allergic reaction to, you actually build up enough of an intolerance to it, intolerance, enough of a tolerance to it that you no longer have that reaction. That doesn't mean that you're not necessarily still allergic to it. It just means that your body has built up a tolerance to be able to to ward off the reaction or you start getting a different type of reaction in your body, right? So now it's suddenly you're having gastrointestinal issues that you would never piece together with what was giving you asthma-like issues as a child. 
So childhood asthma is characterized as an asthma that a child grows out of. So what I want to make really clear about that is that is almost always a, an allergic asthma. So it's some kind of allergen that's causing that and they grow out of it either because you figured out what the allergy was and removed it or because the body compensated for that. Now, inflammatory asthma can and usually does start in childhood as well. What we typically see with an inflammatory asthma though is that it starts later in childhood. Not always, there's always exceptions to the rule, but typically it starts in preteen or teen ages. So that's when you start to really see the episodes of asthma. Now, why we see it happen later when it's inflammatory is really still kind of a mystery. There's some theories out there like children start becoming more active in sports and so it just becomes more obvious that they're having issues breathing and having these problems. Or maybe something to do with puberty or the increase in hormones starts making it more obvious that they're having this inflammatory issue. So there are a lot of theories out there as to why inflammatory asthma shows up when it does. There are instances and there are hundreds and hundreds of cases of asthma not showing up until adulthood. Typically, if you go through your childhood and you don't have any asthma symptoms or any that you can recall, that doesn't mean that you didn't have mild ones and, and you just didn't notice them and they weren't picked up on, they were thought of as maybe you had a sinus infection or something like that. But it is completely possible for asthma to really kick in in adulthood as well. Typically, for adults, that's also an inflammatory asthma. It can be an allergic. Like I said, there's always some exceptions to the rule. So it can be an allergic asthma, but more often than not, it's going to be inflammatory. Because if you're going to have an allergic asthma, usually that's going to happen in childhood. It's just, it's kind of the way that your body makes it known that you're having this issue. So what we have found, though, is that with inflammatory asthma, it's starting to be categorized in more of an autoimmune-like setting because of the inflammatory response. So what do I mean by that? Well, if we think about all of the autoimmune conditions out there, so rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, diabetes, um, oh gosh, any other, other of the other hundred autoimmune diseases out there, lupus, so many, um, a lot of them have the same basic symptoms. So what I mean is it's all around inflammation. So you pick an autoimmune disease and what's the first thing that you find out? You have inflammation somewhere that's causing your joints to ache or inflammation is causing issues with your thyroid or inflammation has caused issues with a gland in your body that is now causing a different issue. So it all basically goes around chronic inflammation. So when we talk about inflammatory asthma, it's basically chronic inflammation. So the idea is that, well, asthma fits into this category of chronic inflammation that's happening, and so it must also be an autoimmune condition. And in a lot of ways, I actually really agree with that because there are so many similarities. So it really makes sense that it would be kind of categorized in that autoimmune area. So 
over the last decade or so, asthma has started to be thought of or viewed as an autoimmune disease. Now, depending on what study you read, who you talk to, which doctor you see, like we all know, everybody has a little bit different view on things or how they feel about it or where they categorize something. But due to its process and its progression, as a person ages, it's it's really starting to be adapted by a lot of different people. So pulmonologist, uh, your primary care physician, a lot of different experts are starting to really put that autoimmune and asthma connection together. So I want to explain a little bit about how asthma works, just because I think it's important to help understand how that inflammation works and, and, and really how asthma works and what really happens and how those triggers work. So what we do know about asthma and what you're usually taught, even as a child or as an adult who starts experiencing asthma-like symptoms, is that you have a trigger. And that trigger can be one or multiple things depending on the person and depending on, on your type of asthma. It also is something that you're usually given a list of triggers, right? So we know that there's certain environmental triggers and things that you could be around that actually make asthma worse. So we have been able to figure out those things. So typically if you go in and you're diagnosed with asthma, you're going to be given this list of all these triggers and they're going to say, you know, we don't know 100% sure which one of these triggers is yours, but avoid all of these things and see if that helps you. Um, that's kind of, it's kind of a vague explanation on how to treat yourself, but it really is difficult to pinpoint exactly what will trigger a person because everyone has very different triggers. So what are some of those triggers? Well, some of them can be anything like perfume, stress, smoke, pet hair or pet dander, dust, mold. Some people have um, exercise intolerance. So when they exercise, that can actually push them into uh, an asthma attack. Um, even even stress or, you know, very upsetting emotional situations can push people into asthma attacks. A big one is typically being around someone who smokes or even just being out in public and happening upon someone who smokes. That smoke is a very big asthma trigger. Perfume, someone wearing a lot of perfume, there are people that uh, that can walk past, past that and have no symptoms whatsoever and there are people that can walk past and and basically their airway is shut because they have such a strong reaction. So there are several, several, and the list of triggers grows every day really, but there's several triggers out there and things that you can look for and pay attention to and see if you happen to notice that your asthma feels a little bit different if you're in the presence of any of those triggers. So once the trigger happens, so once you have had that episode or whatever it was, sometimes it's just cold air. So if you walk out from your house in the middle of winter into the cold air, for some people that cold air will trigger an asthma attack. So let's say cold air is one of your triggers and you walk out of your house and it's been really warm in your house and so that, that cold air hits you and, and it triggers asthma. So what exactly happens in the body? What causes that inflammation? How do we know? What you know personally is okay, I've breathed in this cold air, now I'm having trouble breathing, I'm breathing faster because now I'm a little stressed out that I'm having trouble breathing, I have to cough, I feel super phlegmy, my chest is tight, 
um, feeling anxious because now I'm having these issues. And so there's like this flood of all these symptoms that happen pretty quickly. So what's going on is your body is triggered. And so that kicks in an inflammatory response in your body. Your body's already prepared for that inflammatory response because you have asthma. It's gone through this process before and it knows kind of the process that it wants to do, right? It's, it's ready to kick in and save you. So contrary to what people want to believe regarding autoimmune disease is the story is your body's attacking itself. Your body's attacking its thyroid. Your body's attacking its muscles. Your body's attacking your joints. You know, I don't like to think of it that way. I don't think that your body is actually attacking itself. I think that your body loves you. Your body wants to protect you. The cells in your body aren't turning on you like crazy zombies, you know, that want to eat you all of a sudden. Um, they're actually kicking in to try and save you. That's that's the inflammatory response. Your body realizes that something's going on. It's kicking in. It wants to get rid of the invader. It wants to save you and it wants to keep you healthy. And so you have that trigger. Your body kicks into its immune response. And what happens is your lungs actually start to swell. So you have your lungs are basically like a giant tree. So if you think of a huge oak tree with a ton of branches and a ton of leaves and it's just like an old hundred year old oak tree and like it's giant and there are branches everywhere. That's pretty much what your lungs are like. You have so many branches and areas of your lungs that it gets down into those areas or those branches and, and they start to swell. So certain areas of them start to swell up. Well, when your lungs are open, then, you know, you can breathe and take deep breaths and you feel great and the air is getting into the little pockets or leaves that they need to get into and everything's great. Well, as soon as you have that trigger and those airways start to really start clamping shut because of the swelling, well, now the air is not getting through. So when you take a deep breath, it's not getting down into those airways. So you're having to struggle to try and get it in there. Your body feels that um, and it starts getting a little bit stressed. And so while that's happening, those already stressed and swollen airways start filling with mucus. And I don't mean just like, oh, I have a little bit of phlegm to cough out and spit up. I mean, it fills with a very thick, a very tenacious, like I'm on a mission mucus. Now the mucus again is really there to help you. It's it's the body's effort to find whatever that trigger was, find those particles, stick it to the mucus and get it out of there. That's what it's really trying to do. But because it's inflammation and it's kind of freaking out, it gets a little bit aggressive, right? So so instead of like I'm going to let a little bit of mucus come out to grab those particles that are upsetting your lungs so that you can cough it out and get it out of here. It gets aggressive. It wants to help you. <laughs> so, so all of those really swollen airways fill with this very thick green mucus. So now not only are your airways clamped down, so the area that you used to be able to breathe in is now less than half the size than it as it usually is, it's also smaller and full of mucus. So now you're really having a hard time getting air into your lungs. And the way our lungs work is with all of those beautiful olive branches that we have, 
at the end of them, just like on an, um, I said olive, that's fine. Olive trees are beautiful too. Just like at the end of an olive tree or an oak tree, you have those leaves. Well, in your lungs, you actually have pockets. They're called alveoli. And those are where all of the oxygen exchange happens. So what that means is you take a deep breath, all of that wonderful oxygen you you were breathing in gets all the way into those alveoli or those leaves, however you want to think about it, and that's how the oxygen gets into your cells and gets to the rest of your body. Well, if the passageways to get to that area is blocked with swollen mucus-filled roads, it can't get there. And so your body is just trying really hard to breathe faster, breathe harder, struggle to get as much air as it can into those areas so that it can get oxygen to the rest of your body. So that is, is where the inflammation part of asthma comes from. Now, typically what happens is you take a couple of puffs on your albuterol rescue inhaler um, or whatever medication your physician has given you for that, and that medication gets in and relaxes those muscles that are so stressed out. It doesn't get rid of the mucus. The mucus is there until you cough it out, really. Um, some of it will kind of reabsorb into your body and go away, but for the most part, you start having a lot of coughing and you're coughing a lot of stuff out. Um, but that medication gets in there and relaxes those mu muscles, allows your airways to open back up so that when you are breathing, you can get more air in past that mucus and in past those inflamed airways and into those areas where it can get the oxygen to your cells. So that's kind of the process of how asthma works in a shortened down <laughs> version um, so that you can understand how the inflammatory process works. Now, it's also being moved into an autoimmune category because over time, so if you got true inflammatory asthma as a child, let's say you got it at 10 years old and you've had it your entire life and you're now in your 50s, and maybe you've only had five or six real asthma episodes in your life where you feel like those five or six episodes, I was really terrified and they were really bad. And everything else was just kind of mild or you don't really remember having that many terrible ones. Well, every time you have an asthma episode, your lungs get, I don't like saying this it this way because it's really kind of terrifying, but your lungs kind of get a little bit scarred. So they have been beat up a little bit and they're having a little bit of trouble, right? So the first time it's okay, they'll recover, everything's okay, you're gonna go back to normal. Okay, the second time you have a really bad inflammatory response, they're like, oh, I remember this, this was, this was aggressive. Okay, so what are we gonna do? So the cells in your lungs start to change slightly over time just to really, again, try and save you and try and compensate for this inflammatory response is happening. But what's happening is that your oak tree is rebuilding itself, basically. So the air passageways are changing and are getting a little bit scarred and are, and are functioning a little bit differently. And maybe the muscles aren't as strong in certain areas as they are in others because of, of the asthma attacks that you've been having. So that's where the chronic condition comes in. It's not really the fact that you're having these asthma attacks that makes it chronic. What makes it chronic is your body is actually starting to change at the cellular level to help you with this inflammation. And so that is 
really the difference between an allergic asthma, which can have the same process. So if you have an allergic asthma, it's still the same thing. You're still going to have swelling. You're still going to have the mucus and all of those, those same processes will happen. But at the same time, you find that allergic component, you get rid of it and the asthma goes away. Whereas inflammatory asthma is not that easy. It doesn't it doesn't go away. If you find the trigger and you can avoid it, then you can manage it way much better because now you're thinking, okay, I know for a fact that pet hair puts me into an asthma attack and mold puts me into an asthma attack. So what do I have to do? Unfortunately, I can't have whatever pet that is that puts me into that attack and I have to try and avoid being around that animal. And I really need to be vigilant on making sure that my home and workspace are mold-free the best that I can. And so if you can manage your triggers that way, then you're more likely to not have as severe of asthma attacks when you do have them. But a lot of times it can be very difficult. You know, you if for say you have perfume is one of your big triggers. It's very difficult. You could go to the grocery store and happen upon somebody who's wearing a turn of perfume and go into an asthma attack. So there's a lot of lifestyle changes that come into managing the inflammatory asthma, and some of them are definitely more difficult than others, just given um, the way that life works and how you have to go, go around and be outside and be around people. But those are the, the main things that differentiate an allergic asthma and an inflammatory asthma. And that allergic response is really what's pushing us over into, into that autoimmune area. And so with your lung health slowly deteriorating over time and having that chronic inflammation, it, it really is, it, to me, if you think about autoimmune disease and you think about kind of how it processes and what it looks like in the long run and and how it grows and changes and you know like we've talked about before that if you have one autoimmune disease and you don't manage it very well or you don't even know that you have it it can lead to another autoimmune disease because your body is just in this heightened inflammatory state to try and save your life and so it really makes a lot of sense that asthma would be considered in that same category. And so when you break that all down, it totally makes sense. And so there are so many studies and there are so many reports and and different theories coming out that are really pushing to put asthma in that category. And I, I have to say that I kind of agree to it. And they're also showing really interesting signs that people who have asthma, so I don't mean the childhood allergic asthma that you grow out of, but someone who has the inflammatory chronic asthma have an increased susceptibility to rheumatoid arthritis. Isn't that crazy? And like I just said, if you have one autoimmune disease, it's likely that you could get another. But it's interesting to me that these studies are coming out saying that there's up to a 95% 95%. I just I let that sink in for a second. It's 95% more likely to get rheumatoid arthritis for those who have asthma. And that seems really interesting to me because asthma is primarily in your lungs. It's your lung tissue that's being inflamed. It's your lung tissue that's being changed and remodeled and 
that is really where all of that inflammation is. And so for this, this proof and these studies and, and these reviews to come out that are saying that asthma is linked to rheumatoid arthritis, I find it intriguing because rheumatoid arthritis is really in your joints. And so what does your lung health have to do with your joints? Why, why the connection between those two? And I'm really interested in the next few years to really get involved in these studies and find out why that is. Why are, why are certain autoimmune conditions linked together? So if you, if you know someone who has asthma, who is, and, and the weird thing is what we know so far is that the age category for this 95% is around the 30 to 60 age range is when they're starting to find the connection. That doesn't mean that you didn't have it before that age range or that you don't still have it after that age range, but that's kind of the range of where they're starting to notice the connection. So maybe that's when a person with asthma is finally diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And you guys know just as well as I know how hard it can be to get an autoimmune diagnosis. So it could just be waiting for a diagnosis. But so that's that's the age range that they're saying that they're seeing this this prevalence. And so if you know anyone out there or maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, that sounds just like me. If you know somebody who has asthma and they're starting to complain about joint pain and, you know, my hands aren't as strong as they used to be and they hurt and it just hurts to get out of bed and, you know, different like aches and pains around your joints. I think that it would be worth looking into rheumatoid arthritis just because of this new <laughs> this new information that we have that shows how the susceptibilities are actually linked together for those two. I'm not saying that if you have asthma, you're absolutely going to get rheumatoid arthritis, and I'm not saying that it won't happen, but I'm just saying that it's very interesting that in the last couple of years, there's been several reports and studies and these have been peer reviewed and tested and and you guys know that I researched the heck out of things but um, I yeah I found 95% to be that's a pretty high number when we're talking about the amount of people with asthma 300 million people in the world have asthma and so if you if you take the number of 300 million and 95% of those are more susceptible to rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, that's a large number of people. So I found that to be really interesting. Um, I'm not saying that to scare you or to make you worry. I just, I, I really just want to bring awareness so that if you start having these symptoms or, or you hear somebody complaining about these things, you, you have the awareness to say, hey doc, you know what? I heard that there was a study that, you know, these things are connected. Could you possibly check and make sure I don't have rheumatoid arthritis? So that's really my goal is to to make you guys aware of these processes and and what new information we're finding out and what new studies are out there so that you can go to your doctor armed with information and you can do the best that you can to be as healthy and as informed for yourself, for your loved ones, for your friends as you can. So that is pretty much the gist of <laughs> the asthma autoimmune connection. Um, I find it fascinating and I, I have to say as a respiratory care practitioner and someone who's been educating asthma patients for over a decade that 
I I see it. I could totally see asthma as an autoimmune condition, and I I support that. I support that connection and that belief, and I think that I think that that's an important that's an important piece of the puzzle to put together. Because if we can someday find a cure for autoimmune disease and make them stop, so that people don't even go into that inflammatory state in the first place, if we can figure out what that is, then there's this list of over a hundred conditions that we can stop, like just stop them, not even make them better or make you live happier, but just stop them. So, you know, I, I have a lot of hope that one day this will happen and we'll find out what's, what's causing these issues. And I know that in the meantime, we at least have, we have ways to live with it, meaning we have great great ways to heal ourselves. We have great ways to live very happy, productive lives. We can live healthy. We can put our autoimmune conditions in remission already. We're already to a point where we can do that. The autoimmune condition's not gone, but we can put it in remission, which means we we live a, a basically normal life. And so we're already so close and we just have to finish putting these pieces of the puzzle together so that we can get rid of these things completely. And I think the more that we learn and the more knowledge that we get, the closer we could get to that. So I found this very interesting. I hope that you guys did too. And I hope that it at least helped one of you guys out there with at least understanding your asthma better and the process and and kind of what's going on with your body when you do have an attack, if if nothing else. If you guys got nothing else out of this, I hope that that's at least what you got. I try to teach the kids that I teach that. I have all kinds of, which isn't helpful on a podcast because you can just hear me talk, but I have all kinds of cute little cartoons where the mucus is, you know, little monsters and all these cute things that I can show kids to help them understand what's going on with their lungs. And even though we have all these neat little tricks and these neat teaching aids, it's it's difficult to understand, especially for children. All they know is, I can't breathe when it happens and it's very scary. And I think even for adults, that's that's what we feel. And so I, I want to empower you all with knowledge and I hope that I've done that today. So thank you so much for listening again to another episode and I hope you all have a wonderful day. Bye. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, with 75 absorbable vitamins and minerals in just one scoop per day. I've increased my energy, immune function, and so much more. AG is a non-negotiable part of my daily routine. For your own risk-free AG, plus 20% off, and free vitamin D3 K2 supplement, go to www.athleticgreens.com backslash functionally autoimmune, or look in the notes of this podcast and you can find the link there. Trust me, you want to add athletic greens to your day. It makes such a huge difference.